0: It's the the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Wow, there's a blast
1: deep into the night and a two-in horror for Byers. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. It goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block from from 50, 10 5 Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Trubisky's going to run it, and he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh,
2: my goodness. In the ring, Steve has got him up. A slam.
1: with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
0: What's up, what's up? Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. We'll open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. Here's the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat, I follow you back, guaranteed. Also, on Instagram, IGJHood, as we broadcast live. From our first Midwest Bank Studios. It's the way banking is supposed to be. On the show tonight, we will hear from a four time NBA champion, analyst for the Chicago Bulls on NBC Sports Chicago. Good old number 32, Will Purdue will be with us coming out of 8 10. Also, we will bear down. We always give you something Bears, give you something NFL every night as we just mark the calendar, just taking off the days to Bourbon A. Spice Adams will be with us coming up at 8.30 right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Also, we'll have tales from the hood, stories of sports, entertainment, and everything else in between. And so a friend of mine that works for ESPN decides that he wants to take the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA championship. And he said this. Your expectation for Game 4 is for the if, if a healthy clay is good enough to play, you believe the Warriors will win, right? They absolutely win. Yeah, absolutely, I give you like ten free interviews on the house. If win. Oh, no, hot take. Ryan Hollins will be on the program because the Toronto Raptors are the NBA champions. This will be interview one of ten in a row right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. He lost that bet, Waddle. That's exactly right. So he lost the bet, and so there you go. So one out of ten starts tonight. Every night. Ryan Hollins will be on the program. He'll try to backtrack and try to twist and turn out of it, but Felix is on you to make sure that uh, Hollins is in the mix every night on Under the Hood since he lost the bet. All right. We also will hear uh, from Rachel Nichols from ESPN. We've got some, a lot of NBA conversation with her. And of course, we always find out what is not, not the funniest thing in the sports weekend. Not the silliest thing of the sports weekend, but we try to figure out what is the pettiest thing of the sports weekend. There is a lot of petty in our sports world, in our society in general, and so that's why we have Petty Junction. We put all the petty people on the petty train. Petticoat
1: Junction. Junction. Not to be a Petticoat Junction.
0: Penny Junction coming up tonight as well. Plenty of time for your thoughts as well. Three one two three three two ESPN. Hope that you enjoyed your weekend. Hope that you enjoy your Monday night. As I'm with you until ten o'clock. Then it's Dan Levitard, Stu Gotts, and Stan Van Gundy right here on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN app. All right, we got a lot to cover here because it was a busy sports weekend. If you were listening over the weekend, I was with Jeff Dickerson on uh, Saturday and Sunday, so I, I have I've been actually here. I've not gone home. Uh, since Friday night show. So I've just got my little cot out and I've just been coming down anytime they want me to do a show. And tonight is the night, just like it was over the weekend. Let's start first with the Cubs though, because uh, the Cubs took on the Los Angeles Dodgers at Chavez Ravine for a four game series. I, I want to just quote these numbers for you. Um, it was a tough road trip for the Cubs. They went two and five against the top two teams in the National League West. They now return to Wrigley Field for a nine game homestand leading off with the White Sox and the Mets. So you look at the Cubs at Wrigley Field at the friendly confines 24 and 11. On the road at 15 and 21, the Cubs against above 500 teams 23 and 24, and the Cubs versus below 500 teams at 16 and 8. Let me just circle this number again. The Cubs are 15 and 21 on the road. 39 and 32 overall, it makes you wonder if the Cubs have a run here to be able to win the division. Where's the run going to happen? Does it start with the White Sox and Mets? Or will they fall out of this division because of their issues on the road? When a team underachieves, the blame is usually on the manager, right? I believe that Joe Madden is still a top five manager in the game. We can make the argument at the bar about the top five managers in baseball today. There's a lot of young managers, but there's still some old heads there, like Bruce Bochy, who who's very good, like Francona in Cleveland, like uh, Roberts with the Los Angeles, with like A.J. Hinch in Houston. So you can make the argument about the top five managers in baseball. And I think that Madden's still in the team photo. Joe Madden is going to take the fall for this team if they don't start turning things around. And the thing I'm wondering is, based on how strong, and I mean how strong Theo Epstein was after the season, talking about things that Madden is used to that he didn't like, one of the things that still sticks in my mind is, like, Epstein kind of not happy that Madden says, well, two out of three ain't bad. Like, as long as you win the series, it's fine. Like That seemed like that stuck in the craw of Epstein when he was saying, like, no, sweep the series. Not two out of three is fine. Not three out of four is fine. Keep winning. He didn't like that. I don't think he really liked the way the, some of the things that Madden was doing as a manager, and it came out in the press conference before the season. It wasn't totally negative as much as just him pointing out some things that he wants to see different with this Cubs team. I'm wondering, though, is this a Craig Berube situation at Clark and Addison? Who is Craig Berube? Craig Barubi is the manager or the head coach that replaced Mike Yao as the Blues head coach. Craig Barubi is the, got a Stanley Cup championship as the interim head coach. Is this a Dennis Savard to Joel Quinville situation happening on the north side? You see, you can't rule it out of hand and say, well, there's no way that this could happen. There's no way that Joe could be leaving by the time this season. So here's the thing. You don't know. You don't know. I've been saying a lot this spring that, and also leading into the season that this ball club is way more talented than 39 and 32. I don't know what this is, but this is not a 39 and 32 ball club. That's a ball club that should be fighting with Los Angeles to win the pennant at season's end. It may still be that, but they don't play like it right now. So we talk about the Cubs with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 in the ESPN app. Jesse Rogers pointed some things out on Twitter as he was flying back from Los Angeles Had at four points. One of them he talked about is there is one stat that proves a lack of debt. He mentioned this on the radio today. He says that the Cubs are 12 and 12 in one run games near the top of the league and playing in them seems like a thing where depth would play a role. He goes on to say that just using pinch hitting for example, the Cubs are the only team in the National League without a pinch hit home run. Their OPS off the bench is 14th in the National League. No LaStella, no John Jay, etc. Madden turned to Caratini last night and he did. He also says nothing wrong with Caratini, but that screams for a veteran. Uh, A a pro at bat. Descalso should be that guy, but it's not going well. Pitching-wise, Edwards is down. Ciszek pitches two innings. Just feels like a lack of depth is manifesting itself in different ways, on the road especially. Jesse's right. On that flight back, he had some good thoughts about the Cubs, and he's absolutely right about this. I don't know for sure that Joe Madden's going to be the manager for the rest of this regular season if things start going in the wrong... If it continues to go in the wrong direction. I just know that when you look at the way the Cubs have played, they beat Washington two out of three. They beat Philadelphia two out of three. They lose two out of three against hapless Cincinnati. They lose two out of three against Houston. Swept by St. Louis. Win the series against St. Louis. Win the series against Colorado. They lose two out of three against Colorado at Coors. And lose three out of four against the Dodgers. The team... And the month has been uneven for the Cubs, and I don't understand why that's the case. It's not Chili Davis's fault, okay? It's not his fault. You know, the fault is, is that when I look at this lineup, there is some kind of disconnect. And whether it's right or wrong, whether it's fair or foul, the manager always gets blamed for this. manager gets way too much blame for a 162-game season because even though the argument can be made that a manager has minimal impact, I will tell you that a manager can set the tone for a team. Just like any coach. I, I, I you know, Fred and I argue argued about this for 20 years. He thinks that the manager has zero impact and what is he what is he there for? Why is he singing double nets? Why is he dressed like the rest of the team? He can make an impact one way or the other on a team. I, I'll give you an example of that. Um, Rick Renneria or Ned Yost, when you t- having your team bunt and sacrifice their way to wins, or in this case, a lot of losses, that's the manager setting the tone because he sets the tone. You set the tone as a, as a manager. Again, I don't think that Joe Maddon's a bad manager, but someone has to be able to take the blame for this Cubs team being underachievers. Yes, they're over 500, but it's still not good enough. Absolutely not. I look, went to Facebook, Facebook.com. I asked a question to you. And you can put this on Twitter as well, at ESPN1000Felix. What do you think are the Cubs positive so far and question marks about the team? Uh, Jorge Vargas says the batting average with running scoring position is a disgrace. Get them on, get them over, but they don't get them in. John Juarez says they need to finish games. Starters uh, are way too good, and the pen needs to stay healthy. Darvish is getting uh, a lot better schwarber is really starting to heat up need to play better away from home 500 record would give them the best record in the division second in the national um he says they could still take it to another level that's from john juarez uh on facebook also rich Tepperman says because of their relief pitching that's really their only weakness they acquired one of the best closers yeah there's no question But as I said, when they were able to acquire one of the best closers uh, in Kimbrell, is that the difference between the Cubs' resurgence or staying flat? See, the Cubs have enough offense. I've, I've been saying this a lot this season. They got enough offense, but they are underachieving. It's not about swing rate. It's not about launch angle. It's about being the team they were a couple of years ago. Even last year with 90-plus wins and falling short, this team should be a lot better this year than they were last year. And maybe they will be a 90-plus win ball club, but are you good enough to be able to have sustained success in the postseason? Some thoughts from Joe Madden, the manager for the Cubs. He had some thoughts about the Cubs losing three out of four against Los Angeles. Right now,
2: we're facing them with their uh, Bellinger and Muncie on top of their game right now. We have some guys who are going to bat decently, but not like that. So, um, just all things being equal, I, 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 don't, I think teams are equal. Um, as we get uh, our new member of the bullpen, too, that, I think the bullpen possibly puts in our favor. Starting pitching, I think, is pretty equal. Uh, team on the field, um, I think athletically in the middle, I think we're better. Uh, although Seager's missing, uh, that makes a big difference. But, um, really close. Uh, I, like I have said before, the National League, It's like looking in the mirror, man. All the teams are kind of built the same way. I think you have to gain your edges in the bullpen. First of all, if you can start pitch well, then your bullpen is going to become better. So I think starting pitching still is the key. And after that, that should make your bullpen better if you have the right guys out there. And if you got that going on, that should really benefit you at the end of the year a lot. And then after that, I think you can match these guys up on the field, our players versus theirs. And if you're a scout, sit up in the stands. You would come to love say, the same conclusions. Who's hot at this moment? That?
0: If I had the mic over uh, Madden shoulder, I would have been dancing as that was going on. I would have been swaying back and forth. How Los Angeles was that? <laughs> how chill was that that after? just got me in a vibe it really did just hearing that beating Joe I was just chilling over here uh, you lose out of four and you got that chill vibe you need that for sure Eric that's, that's for sure Chris Bryant talking about the struggles on the road as well I mean obviously we're going to be
1: more comfortable at home because we know we have the last at bat um, but if we can kind of find a way to you know widen the gap there score some more runs like I said better at bats and just competing better I think we we'll be better off, but, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a great series. It wasn't a really a good road trip, but
0: hopefully we can turn around. Chris Bryant with his thoughts there. You're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's not in the realm of possibility. Think about this, Cubs fans. If it meant that the Cubs get to the World Series, would you be willing to turn the page on Joe Madden? I'm not a coach killer. I'm not a manager killer. Never have been. But it makes you wonder... what Theo Epstein thinks. And let's make sure that it's pretty obvious here. There's a reason why Joe Madden doesn't have a new contract. It seemed to me that after winning a World Series, Madden can get a five-year deal. That's what he'd get from me, a five-year deal. He won the World Series. I would give him a five-year deal. He doesn't have a new contract just as of yet. Doesn't make sense. But there's a reason why that He's yet to have a new deal. It's a big story that's underreported around here, and it really should be talked about. If i got to be the one to talk about it, I'll be the one to talk about it because it doesn't make sense. A World Series manager still has to dance for his dinner, still has to. Don't be surprised if there is a Dennis Savard, Joel Quinville situation happening around here with Joe Madden. I'm not trying to push him out the door. What I'm saying is is that you got to catch lightning in the bottle, and if you underachieve, you know who's the first to go. And not Chili Davis, because he's already caught. Jonathan Hood out of ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's move on to something else. How about the uh, Chicago White Sox? How about that? The Chicago White Sox. How about that? Boy, the White Sox are... Interesting and encouraging at the same time. I was at the ballpark on Thursday to watch the White Sox beat the Yankees. And by the way, in case you didn't know, yeah, there's a lot of Yankees fans in this city. They didn't fly in to guarantee rate just for the series, even though I don't blame a Yankee fan if they live in New York to, you know, come to fly into someplace clean in someplace that doesn't throw the garbage out in the front stoop. But anyway, Terrible. Anyway, so uh, it was good to see the White Sox be competitive. They split against the Yankees. They split against Washington. They won two out of three against Kansas City as of late. They lost the series against Washington. They got swept there and won three out of four against Cleveland. That's kind of what we've seen from the Sox over the last almost month plus, right? The Sox are three and a half games out of the wild card. They're 34 and 36 in the American League Central. I know the American League is down, but the White Sox have been able to give me what I've wanted. And you know what I've wanted from the, both the Cubs and the White Sox, but the Sox in particular, uh, I want interesting. That's all I've asked for. Just give me interesting so you can get me the Bear season. And so at least these are they're giving us storylines, the White Sox. And there's a number of reasons why. Uh, I mentioned to start the season that. When the White Sox want to really jumpstart this franchise and really want to be able to get in a position to succeed, you have to start with a new manager. And I still feel that way. Even though the, the Sox are two games under, I still think that Joe Girardi is the right choice or a different manager because that shows seriousness. That shows the fan base. And you might get a few more turnstiles clicked over there at a guaranteed rate to know that there's a new face for the team. Again, I'm not pushing Renneria out. I'm just saying that... I don't see this rebuild happening with Rittery as a manager. I see the Sox changing things. It's like the Cubs changed things. It's like Houston changed things, just like a number of teams said, okay, we're young, we had an A to B manager, now here we go. But here's what is encouraging for the White Sox and to be interesting. As I mentioned, June 17th, we're talking White Sox baseball in the A block. That means that they are doing something. Okay, We're talking about a ball club that was probably 20 or more under five hundred this time last year. But now we're talking about a ball club that's that's in shouting distance of the wild card, three and a half games out. Lucas Giolito is an all-star. Lucas Giolito could actually start the all-star game for the American League based on how he's pitched. And I think that his story is amazing. A guy that would walk the ballpark every time he went to the mound last year, walking the ballpark, walking small islands, right? And then he comes here and is a a guy that is a must-see. That's also important for the White Sox. A must-see and someone that's getting outs. A guy that looks totally different, a complete 180, than what we saw last year from Giolito. And then from there, Aloy Jimenez. Jimenez, again, young player, He's only been here for a few months and already gets it. Like Javi Baez gets it, right? But is a media a guy that's always messing around with Garfine, always smiling in the camera? That sells tickets. That means that that guy feels like he belongs. Not nervous, not hiding in the shadows. He's not doing that. That guy wants to be on the big club. And you are seeing just glimpses of, of greatness from uh, Jimenez with that with that baseball bat. He's had, he already hit a home run just recently uh, that I haven't seen since Joe Borchard was in a Sox uniform. I mean, some towering home runs, and that's a positive. That guy could be the everyday left fielder for a while. Could be the everyday DH. Who knows? But Aloy Jimenez this season very impressive. Uh, Tim Anderson is a star. Uh, and Tim Anderson made his, himself a star because the last couple of years, you were scratching your head wondering, like, what is Tim Anderson? And this was going to be the year, right? You were going to find out what Tim Anderson was going to be this year. Either blank or get off the pot with Tim Anderson. And guess what? Tim Anderson, not just with his fracas and fighting along with Kansas City, not just with the bat flips, but someone. That will tell you up front, baseball's not that important to me, but I enjoy playing it. He's an athlete, kind of like a basketball player, like a football player, in that, like, I'm playing the sport, but it's really not my my number one thing. I'm interested in business. I'm interested in music. I'm interested in my family. And and so it's different. I remember he was on this show saying that same thing. He was on under the hood and said, like, yeah, you know, I got a lot of other things under irons in the fire, other things I'm thinking about. Um uh, but baseball's right in there in the team photo somewhere. <laughs> like and, and so You like that he's not pressing, and I like that, because last year, dealt with a personal tragedy in his life, was not necessarily focused, and I think that stealing bases, getting big flies, having big hits, big moments for the White Sox, that's a step in the right direction for the White Sox for sure. Zach Collins being called up. Keep your eyes on what Zach Collins is going to be for this White Sox team. Uh, with Jose Abreu, who I said, hey, let this guy be like this uh, This era's Canerco. He can be the DH and pay him whatever he needs. He's a guy that's a leader uh, in that clubhouse, so I don't mind Abreu being around here for a while. Moncada um, being on this team. And then something else, too. You know, And I'm not going to put it on the poll because I know how it will come back, Felix, but Chilito's a surprise, but McCann also a surprise. McCann's a backup catcher that wasn't very good at anything, offense or defense. He was just he just had a uniform on, but he, he was not a, a great player. And I'm not saying that he's a great player for the White Sox now, but it seems like, just like for Giolito, the lights turned on for, for McCann. And when you talk to people around the White Sox, they're you know, talking about leadership. And again, yeah, he's a veteran, but he hadn't done much. But his his defense is better. His offense is good. Where Now you want to see what he does when he comes to the plate. That's good. That's good. I know it's real baseball-y for me to say this, but a lot of times if your catcher is your leader, that's a good thing. Leader of the pitching staff and a leader in the clubhouse. Okay, I'll take that. I I never thought that after this season McCann would be a a story, but maybe he is. But, again, just like Giolito, McCann has really shown some things. Um, The other thing, too, with Colomay, of course, he's hurt. And then we gotta find out by the time we get to the deadline, you know, whether or not Colomay is going to um, be with this White Sox team or will he be traded. But the three and a half <laughs> the three and a half games out of the wild card tells me that the core is starting to develop. Book Shambi from ESPN agrees.
1: I mean Jimenez, I saw him in person at Yankee Stadium, and man, it's impressive. Like the power is yeah. is real and yeah, there's, there's talent there. And I also think that, you know, that division is interesting because, you know, I think that the, the Indians are going in a in a different direction. The Twins are really good, but, you know, the, the White Sox, I think, and their fans should be excited about, okay, what's this going to look like for the next few years? Because we should keep getting better and better. Giolito. Giolito, I just find so interesting just because just a guy who could not throw the ball we wanted to throw. He didn't throw enough strikes. And you know, he's he's gotten himself to a place where, yeah, now we see the first-round stuff. We understand why the Nationals liked him so much, and we understand why he was such a high-value trade chip and sought after by other teams. So I, I just think stuff like that's cool because I have a tendency, you know, when guys – I believe guys can improve, but when guys come up and the walk rate is super high, you yeah, have a tendency to fall to, you are what you are. So I think that's cool.
0: Some thoughts there from Buchanby, play-by-play guy for ESPN. McCann, by the way, is currently in second place in the American League for catchers for this year's All-Star game behind Gary Sanchez. Can he Can-Can, James McCann-Can, second. How about that? That's a turnaround, just like Giolito. Big turnaround there. One thing, other note about the White Sox, right? my <sighs> God. Sunday's a sellout, right? Sunday's a sellout. Yankees fans there, Sox fans there, and they started Espana. They started that guy, this junk ball, no-nothing veteran <laughs> for a full full house at guaranteed rate. Boy, it would have be been nice to see like a Zach Collins or someone else. <laughs> what done? Like, oh, full house? Lito, you got four innings? <laughs> Anything to stay in the ball game, right? It's just like oh God. Like you you know, okay, decent day. It wasn't eighty degrees, but it was Father's Day, uh, nice day, go to the ballpark, one oh five start, whatever, and then you got that guy on the mound. Like like I guess <laughs> the Yankees it's just like, oh man. But you know what, you get you take what you get, right? It's a split I guess the Yankees, they play very impressive in the first couple of uh, games of that series, and then they fell short. But the core has been very intriguing for the Chicago White Sox. All right, coming up next, we talk about the uh, the NBA. The offseason is always intriguing. The NBA offseason is always intriguing. And Chicago's own Anthony Davis has a new address. Well, what does this mean? It's not what you think. From your hood to J-hood. On ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. out.
1: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app.
0: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, nights on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. But to remind you on Thursday, I'll be teaming with Chris Bleck for the 2019 NBA Draft Show. We'll be broadcasting live from the Advocate Center, I heard. And we'll we'll be there 6 o'clock on Thursday for the NBA Draft Show. Make sure that you're with us. The only ones with coverage of the NBA Draft on the radio is Chris and I on ESPN 1000. All right, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the NBA finals and what happened over the weekend. It broke on, um, here right I here on ESPN 1000 when I was working with JD, that Chicago zone, prospective high school zone, Anthony Davis is a Los Angeles Laker. It's interesting because I could have sworn that by the time we got to the NBA trade deadline that the Lakers are going to get their guy in Anthony Davis, it didn't happen. I recall very vividly that the Lakers were, were willing to trade the entire left side of the menu to get Davis, right? And it never happened. But that was a different time because Dell Demps is the general manager of the Pelicans and Magic Johnson's in there for the Lakers and there was a disconnect there to the point where the ownership for the New Orleans Pelicans like, no, there's no way he's going to Los Angeles. No way. But things change. David Griffin, a friend of mine, uh, longtime GM and now general manager for the Pelicans made this happen with Rob Palenka and the Lakers, and of course LeBron. The power of LeBron made this happen as well. Two things, though, and before we talk about Davis and really go into it, the Raptors had their parade today, and it was it was great. Unfortunately, there was uh, a little bit of, of something that usually doesn't happen at these rallies. One point five million people attended the Raptors parade. Four people were shot. If I can recall the Bulls championships or the Blackhawks championships, I don't recall people having to scurry because of gunshots here in Chicago. But in Toronto, that did happen. Um, The people that were involved were arrested, and uh, they're going to start their investigation. But, yeah, that was an interesting little tidbit there, sad tidbit, because it's big for the country of Canada, the province of Ontario, for the Raptors to have their celebration. And then there's gunfire. So that happened today. Um, but the Eastern Conference went, has the Larry O'Brien Trophy. All the hype about the Western Conference and, and who's going to win it. Is it going to be the Golden say Warriors again? The Houston Rockets is their time. Is it Portland's time? Is it Houston's time? It's the Eastern Conference time. It's Toronto's time. They had the Larry O'Brien Trophy. And they did it with Kawhi Leonard and the rest of that Raptors team. The story of Kawhi Leonard. Being with San Antonio, top of the world, gets injured, and then disappears from San Antonio. They couldn't find him for a while, almost a year. Could not find him, would not be around the team, was working out trying to get himself healthy again, and the trade took place. Greg Popovich traded him to, what, Basketball Siberia? You know, trying to trade him to Toronto. I don't even want him in the country. I want him in another country. Trade him to Toronto. And we always knew that Kawhi Leonard was a top-ten player. He just had to show it again coming off the injury. Kawhi Leonard led that team quietly to an NBA championship. He raised the bar of others on that Toronto team, and they won the championship. So now the question is, who is in the mix to win a championship? Some of you love to be able to talk about parody or, you know, I I want this team to win. I want this team to win this whole society that we have here in sports where you get a trophy and you get a trophy and we all get a trophy. Everyone gets a chance to win. Yay. Everyone gets a chance to win. That's not how the NBA is built. The NBA really is built in its core on the Lakers and the Celtics based on the championships they won, how many times they've been in the playoffs. The league really is about the Lakers and the Celtics. Everybody gets their run, right? For the most part, everyone gets a run. Golden State has their run and now the run stops. The reason why is because of the injuries to Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant. They're both out for the year. So now you expect to have someone else as the NBA champion. Could it be Toronto, one and done like Dallas was when they took on the big three? Could it be somebody else? All I know is that the Lakers, as we circle back to Anthony Davis, they traded Anthony Davis, the Pelicans did, to Los Angeles. And even though you will hear the hype about, Well, the Lakers now, they've got Kyle Kuzma and LeBron James and they have Anthony Davis. That means they're going to win the NBA championship. That is not true. At least not from my standpoint. Because one of the things that we have to learn from, I don't know, just a few days ago, is that it's not about three guys. It's about a team. You know how Toronto won? Yes, it was about Kawhi Leonard, but also it was about Fred Van Vliet. It was also about a newbie when he was healthy. It was about siakam it was about the trade to be able to get marcus All. that's what it was about others it wasn't just about one guy it was about a number of people to be able to get the job done as so we talk about the nba with jonathan hood on espn 1000 and the espn app woge on the trade this is a monster
1: haul for the new orleans pelicans to get two starters lonzo ball brandon ingram an outstanding young player in Josh Hart and three first round picks, including the number four overall pick in Thursday's draft, which allows New Orleans not only to draft Zion Williamson at one, but at number four, uh, get another you know potential, very good young player. But for the Lakers, they paid a steep price to get the player they had to get. They were able to keep Kyle Kuzma. They had to get Anthony Davis. They weren't at the top of any big free agents list, but this certainly changes the dynamic of that Laker organization.
0: Ryan Hollins is going to be with us at our 9 o'clock hour, told us on the weekend, J.D. and I, that he thinks A.D. and LeBron are perfect for one another. Well, A.D. is the perfect fit for LeBron. A.D. is a natural finisher. Now, he's stretched out his range to the three-point line. Uh, he's
1: efficient, you know, getting busy on the block, playing one-on-one against whoever's in front of him. That's something that he improved upon. But he's a natural finisher. And what is LeBron? A natural passer, a natural assist man. So you're going to see that LeBron AD pick and roll. Uh, You're going to see AD cleaning up some of LeBron's mistakes
0: on the defensive end. And the one thing that AD can do is he stretches the floor. And in today's NBA, he's a matchup nightmare. Because he can guard the the big guy or the
1: little guy on the perimeter uh, or out on the block. And then he can go take advantage
0: on the other side. So... A.D. is a nightmare. The Lakers are a playoff team with this deal, but they need a lot more. A lot more. And this is where the Bulls come in. The Bulls do have cap space, but they have a hard time bringing in an A-level free agent. This has just been the issue with this team for a long time. So do the smart thing. Like Kemba Walker is either going to be in Charlotte or is going to be with the Lakers. He's, not, he's nowhere in between. He seems to like Charlotte. So that's fine. But do the smart thing. While all this is going on and all the free agency is going about, find the right guy. Find a lead guard because clearly the Bulls are not enamored with uh, Chris Dunn, which we'll talk about more as we move forward. But just get Patrick Beverly and just be done with it. Let's stop BSing and trying to figure out you know how we can outsmart the room. Just find a guy that will be available here and get Pat Beverly. The draft is insignificant to me because the draft is really Otto Porter. That's your new player that you want for a, for the entire season to be healthy. So let's, uh, it, it'll be interesting just this whole offseason. NFL doesn't have it. NHL doesn't have it. The NBA, with so much pettiness and so much drama and so much movement, it is the most interesting offseason in all of sports. So coming up, we always have people that just don't have time for a full interview, but sometimes they're just available for one question. Next. As I combine all the juice from the mind, heal up, wheel up, bring it back, come rewind.
1: (laughs) Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000.
0: Yo, it's time for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're in with me. We will hear from four-time NBA champion Will Purdue. We'll get his thoughts about the NBA draft coming up at 8:10 right here on ESPN 1000. Hey, we're on weeknights between 7 and 10. You might be listening while you're driving with the kids. You might be going to, coming from work. You might be going to work if you're a third shifter, going to dinner. Listen, we're all busy, right? So when we have guests on, sometimes they're not available for us for an entire interview. But they can be available for us for just one question.
3: you guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for One Question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Number one.
2: Number
3: one. Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000.
1: Oh, yes. One
0: question every night at 7.50 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And tonight, we talk to my friend, the executive producer of Cap & Company on ESPN 1000 and the host of a hit podcast you can hear on ESPN 1000 on something I need, nutrition. It is Danny Zetterman. Veteran newsman Dan Zetterman is with us here on ESPN 1000. Hello, Danny. Hello,
3: hoodie. I love that I'm Will Produce Warm
0: well, someone has to be.
3: <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope you're not going to ask me how Will Purdue ruined my most prized piece of sports memorabilia.
0: You should tell that story.
3: I'll tell it quickly. Do you remember the Phil Jackson show? I think it was on CBS at the time. Yep. And our buddy Howard Sudbury was <laughs> the host of it. And I went to the Phil Jackson show on my birthday. And they had this bit where if you shot two free throws, you got a Michael Jordan autographed ball. Phil Jackson would sign it in front of you, and then whoever the guest was would sign it as well. So when I was there, I was lucky. There were two guests, Scottie Pippen and Will Perdue. So I begged Howard Sudbury to let me shoot the free throws, and sure enough, he picked me because it was my birthday. And I sunk them both like you knew I would. And I get the ball, and it's got MJ's signature, and then Phil Jackson takes it, and he signs it. And then Scottie Pippen takes it, and he signs it. And I wanted to be like, no, Will, please don't do it. But Will signed it as well. So I have a Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, Johnny Pippen, Will produce nine ball in my house. <laughs> that's a hundred percent true story. I have the VHS tape to prove it. I don't, I've never heard that story, but that's really good. <laughs> I told it to Sudbury the last time he came in studio to talk about the happenings at Arlington Park. He loved it.
0: <laughs> don't forget the armchair, tra- armchair nutritionist. You can download that wherever you download your podcast. Also, look for forward- it on at uh, espn com. all right danny are you ready for your one question sir all right let's do it i'm nervous i've been nervous all night you do know I, I would always you know, i don't no need to be nervous <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm nervous don't be nervous it's me it's not a stranger all right i'll pretend it's just the two of us chatting <laughs> okay danny what is the worst uh eating or restaurant experience that you've ever had
3: the worst eating, or, are we talking service or
0: food? Yes.
3: Okay, the, I'll, I'll go with food. I was in London, England, and I was trying to be as healthy as possible, and there is nothing healthy in London. So I said to the waiter, I'd like a grilled chicken breast, please. And he brought me out a big heaping greasy piece of fried chicken covered in cheese. Oh. And I said, excuse me, sir, I ordered grilled chicken. And his response was, yeah, we grilled it before we fried it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Danny.
3: Absolutely, Hoodie. Have a good night, bud. Jonathan Hood. Levels <laughs> to it, you and I know. Tell him be humble. Sit down. Be humble. Sit down. Be humble.
1: On ESPN 1000.